Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. What's going to happen tonight? What's going to happen? We're going to whoop their Morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time, March Madness time, Disney World time. We'll see how long March Madness lasts time, and and we'll see uh, if there's a couple extra days to just piddle around in Disney time. Whatever time of day it is, boys and girls, it's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio here on a rainy Sunday evening here in God's own Knoxville, Tennessee, just a couple miles away from Thompson Bowling Arena, where obviously the Tennessee basketball team is done playing basketball games this season. The Vols will be in the NCAA tournament. The field has been set. The Vols are a number four seed in the East region, uh, opening up Thursday against 13th seeded Louisiana, the Ragin' Cajuns. The winner of that game will play fifth seeded Duke, most likely, or I guess possibly 12th seeded Oral Roberts. Um, but there's a lot to break down as to, to the seed, to the to the teams ahead, to the challenges ahead, to where the Vols are right now. Lots of stuff to discuss, so you know where we're going with this one. We're going to go over to uh, Ben McKee's house, which is still a name that I protest because it is so boring and so dull. But uh, nonetheless, let's go to Ben McKee's house. Ben, what's up, man? I guess it would help if I unmuted myself on, on Zoom, but yeah. uh, not a whole lot. Not a whole lot, just just trying to survive the, the busyness of March. The SEC tournament has come and gone. Uh, it is the Sunday in between the SEC tournament and the NCAA tournament, which means we have a bracket to discuss, as you just mentioned. So th- there's a lot going on right now, but how, how can you not be excited about the NCAA tournament? I, I know Tennessee fans feel the uh, 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 good chunk of Tennessee fans, I should say, feel a certain type of way about this basketball team heading into the tournament and are giving this team zero chance to to win on Thursday. But still, you, you can't make a run if you don't make the tournament. And uh, Tennessee has now made five straight NCAA tournaments, and, and that should be as appreciated as it is pointed out that they should have won in March up and more up until this point. It's fair to want more. Uh, in, in the big dance, but I think it's also fair to equally appreciate the fact that Tennessee has now been in the tournament five straight tournaments. Obviously, the the COVID season, there there was no tournament that year, and I don't believe Tennessee was going to make the tournament that year. But still, uh, Tennessee has been in the last five NCAA tournaments, and, and that should be appreciated. 
Yeah, it should be. And and, and in honesty, Ben, you know, it's talk about who's playing better right now, who's a better team right now. Um, well, you know, Vanderbilt's been playing really well lately, but it's a full body of work, so Vandy's not in the tournament. Texas A&M has played really good basketball for a couple months now. Uh, Texas A&M made the tournament, but as a seven seed. So, you know, you're in the tournament, you are you got a four seed, could be worse. Oh, it, it certainly could be worse. Uh, the, <laughs> there is no doubt about it, and I, I tweeted out the – other day, I guess it was Friday evening when Tennessee lost and Rick Barnes made the comment when he was asked about where he kind of thought this team was going into March. And and he had a, a nice, long, I, I felt insightful and correct response. And, and one of the things that he said was that a lot of teams would like to be in the position that they're in. And that is the absolute truth, uh, whether it be North Carolina, uh, Oklahoma State, you mentioned Jerry Stackhouse. There are a whole lot of teams. Think think about it. Uh, what is it? 68 teams make the tournament. Take take out the automatic qualifiers that would not get in if they had to make if they had to win their conference tournament to get in. And, and you're talking about what probably around 50 teams that get in the NCAA tournament out of 350 something. There, there's 300 teams or so that that would love to be in Tennessee's position right now. And again, it is absolutely fair to want more in the NCAA tournament. There there is that is absolutely okay. And I I understand the lack of optimism going into the weekend. I, I'm not saying that I don't, but I do feel like there should be a step back and uh a, a tip of the hat and an appreciation level for the fact that Tennessee has made five straight tournaments. Uh, and and that Tennessee's basketball program is a healthy program, and and that should be committed, and that should never be looked down upon, or kind of spat on, uh, so to speak. So you're right; they they deserve a ton of credit. And look, Tennessee fans are down and out, a healthy chunk of them. I don't want to speak for for every Tennessee fan. I don't I don't want to just associate the the loud minority on social media as the fan base as a whole. But that that loud minority that just is really, I don't even know the, the, the correct way to word it, but it's kind of fed up with the inconsistencies of this team and, and not winning more in March. Yeah. Like aside from Despond- the lack of optimism. Despondent maybe. I think despondent yeah. might be a good way to put it. Yeah. Uh, aside from, from that, I, like I know that that feeling is out there. And again, not a ton of optimism going into the weekend. And Kim Palm's not the the end all be all, but he has Tennessee winning by 16 against Louisiana on on Thursday, and then he would predict a five point win over Duke if if they were to play Duke in the second round on, on Saturday. So I, I I bring that up to say again, that's not the end all be all. I'm I'm not saying bet your mortgage on it because Kim Palm thinks Tennessee is going to win. Yeah, if, if there's team, if there's a team that is that has like shattered the uh metrics a little bit, it's probably Tennessee. Yes, it absolutely has. But my point that I'm getting to is that this Tennessee basketball team is 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 better than people realize. It, it has some pretty fatal flaws. Uh it, it has been very inconsistent. It's trying to adjust to life without Sakai Ziegler and they were already inconsistent with with Zakai Ziegler. So I, I get it, but I still think they're a pretty good basketball team. They're they're not great. They have their flaws, but they're still good, and and they are capable of of beating anybody. I, outside of those two minutes to to end the game against Missouri on Friday, I thought it was a well played basketball mm-hmm. game between two good teams that just kind of 
came down to the wire and you flipped the coin and that side of the coin landed on Missouri executing the final two minutes better than than Tennessee did. But the the reaction, you would have thought that Missouri was a, a god-awful basketball team and Tennessee had just lost by 30, and, and that's not the case. So uh, in, if, you, if, if you don't want to use Ken Palm, uh, FanDuel has Tennessee opening as an 11.5-point favorite over Louisiana uh, on, on Thursday. So the, the, the smart analytics and metrics that are more right than they are wrong, more more right often than they are wrong. Uh, they, they're kind of saying something different than what you see on the selections show. And Seth Davis immediately says, oh, Louisiana's beating Tennessee. Uh, the, the numbers that are typically right, they, they're saying something else. Yeah, I think, Ben, the, the, the more I thought about it when I was in, we were in Nashville, I, I wrote, and I wrote the column about it saying maybe – Maybe the disconnect between what the computers and metrics think about Tennessee and what the reality of what the team is probably comes down to close games. Like th- those things probably weigh all forty minutes of a game equally in the entire width and breadth of a season, and and they'll see like okay, Tennessee can can beat uh, Texas, it can beat Alabama, it can beat Kansas, um, but there's a lot of close games, way more close games. Uh, have not gone Tennessee's way than gone Tennessee's way this season. So if you're looking at the entire thing as as one, you know, kind of like a robot would, you're looking at it and saying, okay, this team is better than all these other teams because look at what 40 minutes of all these games show. And it's probably not showing that in these possession-type games, Tennessee just does not make the place to win the game when they're in close games. So if they're if they're out by a few possessions ahead of you down the stretch, they're fine. It's just if those first 38 minutes or 37 minutes don't go well enough where they're in a really good shape, a lot of times they're not winning those games. And and you know, they haven't hadn't won, you know, when they were trailing with 5 minutes left. I mean, there's a lot of things that we look at and say, "Okay, but overall, and I can also just imagine that Tennessee fans are either sitting in their office or they're driving in their car right now and thinking, you're paying national championship money. You're paying national championship money. I get it. I get it. Okay, and we'll have that conversation again after this season um, if things don't go well for Tennessee in the tournament. We will have that conversation. But Tennessee is in this tournament now. Uh, I think a lot of people of a certain age can remember having to watch this tournament every year. And for a long time, Tennessee wasn't in it. And then if Tennessee was in it, you just knew it was going to go badly. Okay, like there's got to be a middle ground here between like the people who, you know, as Ben very politely said, feel a certain type of way right now about where things are versus the people maybe of a different age who think, you know what? I remember Tennessee never being in this thing or rarely being in this thing. So, you know, now there's got to be some kind of a middle ground there, I think, at least until the thing's over. When the thing's over, then let's go back and have that conversation. But right now, you're Tennessee, you're in this tournament, and I don't think, you know, it doesn't really matter how you're playing going into this. Once you get the ticket, you're in. And there have been teams that just went, just, you know, hell bent for leather, just through through the, the schedule and were great. And then we're not great in this tournament. And there have been teams that kind of backed into the tournament, did just enough, and then went on big runs. So let's not assume that we know what's going to happen, right? You you see Louisiana as a you know fairly difficult opening round opponent for the shape Tennessee's in right now. You see the way Duke is playing right now, and you see that name and you go, ugh. 
probably not making it to the garden, right? That's what a lot of people are thinking right now. But let, let's wait and see how the thing goes. I mean, Tennessee gets another couple of days to get healthy, which I think is good. I think it's probably better for Tennessee that it didn't beat Missouri in terms of being in this position to be a little healthier to go into this tournament. Give those guys a, a couple of days off of their feet and then kind of get them ramped back up and ready to go to the game. I, I think there are reasons, there are obvious reasons to be pessimistic right now. And you look at the bracket and you go, hmm, you know, does, does Tennessee at four or Kentucky at six really have the more difficult kind of opening weekend? Okay, that's fair. That's a fair question to ask. But you're in this tournament. The ball is going to be tipped. you got 40 minutes to play a game. And Tennessee still has a chance to beat a lot of these teams. Yeah, I mean, they they legitimately can beat any team in this tournament. I, I 1,000% believe that in my heart. And, and hear me when I say what I just said. I think that they can. I think it's possible that they can beat any team in this tournament. And and that's not a cliche either. You, you can't say that about every single team in the tournament. Auburn cannot beat every single team in this field of 68. They can't. And I know that Tennessee just lost to Auburn, but Tennessee also beat Auburn. And that that game was that was played on the Plains uh, a, a week ago. Uh, it, it had different circumstances than if Tennessee and Auburn were, were going to link up this weekend. Auburn was desperate trying to make the tournament. It, it was a home game for them. Uh, it was Tennessee's first full game without Zakai Ziegler. Uh, and when I spoke to... I think it was Greg Polinski. Yes, it was Greg Polinski the day before the SEC tournament at practice at Tennessee State on Wednesday. He said that he felt like that was kind of the first situation, first game in which it, it kind of sunk in. Reality set in that they did not have Zakai Ziegler, especially on the defensive end. So since he was trying to adjust in that game, and again, the point that I was getting to is, is that Tennessee can beat every team in the tournament. But not every team can, uh, like in Auburn, and, and they're one that comes to mind because honestly, I, I don't know that they should be in the tournament uh, to to begin with. They they kind of lack a getting in a marquee a, win. Getting out, in as a nine was, yeah, getting in as a nine was really really um, that they they we we can talk all day about a And M getting screwed as a seven seed, which I firmly believe that it was, and I think that's unfair to Texas also, which might have to play Texas A and M in the second round. And if you're a number two seed in a tournament, you should never be playing a team as good as A and M on the second game of the tournament. That should never be the case for a number two seed. So when you underseed someone that badly, you're not just being unfair to that team; you're being unfair to the teams that got to play that team. But my point was, we can say, and I I would say that A&M got hosed a little bit. But Auburn got, I mean, there's no guarantees here, but Auburn has got overseeded probably as a nine, also gets to open in Birmingham, for God's sake. I mean, if I'm Fran McCaffrey, I'm furious right now. Um, but, you know, will any of that matter? We don't know because, um, yeah, Auburn is a team that is flawed. There's probably some teams that it can't beat. Um, then there's also teams like Arkansas who absolutely could beat anybody um, but also might lose the first game by 20 points. So I, I don't really know. I don't think Tennessee's going to get blown out in any in any game. I really don't. I think Tennessee's too good defensively and has too many too much toughness about it. Um, so it's going to come down to can they make plays in close games down the stretch, which 
if you're looking at this season, you would say probably not, but hey, let's go see. Yeah, and look, I I don't I will say this about Texas A&M. I don't feel one single bad for them because their 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 non-conference was soft as Charmin. If if you don't want to get underseeded uh on selection Sunday, then then go play somebody in the non-conference because that's what they got penalized for. They got penalized for playing absolutely nobody and in in Within absolutely playing nobody, they lose to Wofford. Like I, I don't want to hear the complaining or the I feel bad for AM when 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 they don't play anybody. I, I do think that they are under seated in terms of, of what they are as a team going into the tournament, but I don't feel bad for them being under seated because again, go play somebody if if you don't want to get screwed on selection Sunday. But to me, it's not just about the seed AM gets. It's about the seed that other teams get and what's the the teams that have to play them, right? Like if you're a, a 10 seed and you're getting A&M as your first game, you're going, how, how is that happening? And if you're Texas and if you win your opener, which that's an interesting matchup for, for Texas, should be said for the opener, you're looking at it going, wait, my in the second round I get – I get to play a team that finished second in a league with eight NCAA tournament teams. That's my second round game. So I got to beat that team just to get to the sweet 16. That's to me where it gets unfair. And I do like the idea in principle of not rewarding teams who play soft schedules and have bad losses. I am 100% on board with that, but there are exceptions. And when there are eight teams in your league that get into the tournament and one of them's not Vanderbilt, which is pretty darn good right now, and you finish second in that league, and then to back up that performance, you get to the championship game of the tournament also, you're not a seven seed. I mean, you're just not. That's that. There's something kind of wrong about that. So, yeah, I mean, I, 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 my point is, Tennessee as a four seed overall probably for right now is um, overseeded, if we're being just honest about it. Uh, but when that's not what this the the last ten games whatever th- those things don't really seem to matter at all to the committee right now. They just look at the entire body of work over the course of a few months and they go, okay, this is a four seed. So I I don't have a huge problem with that. Um, but I, I think getting to play you know Duke right now does Duke look anything like a five seed? No, Duke's been playing a little bit higher level than that. But for a lot of the season, it really wasn't. And so the committee has an impossible job. It really is an impossible job. But I, there's only a couple things I consider just wrong, and A&M being a seven is one of them. I don't know how we got on that topic, but we did. Um, but Tennessee is in this thing now. Tennessee is in this tournament. Tennessee has as good a chance to win as just about anybody in this tournament. It just has to go out there and play a certain type of way. Is what I is what I think we need to talk about in the second segment, Ben. And correct me if I'm wrong here. If you have a different idea, I just think we need to talk about what this team is right now, what this team is not right now, and what it has to do to go in. Throw out the past, throw out anything else. You're in the dance. You're you have a ticket. You're on the card. You get to go out there and fight. What do you have to do to go out there? and give yourself the best chance to win. I think that's probably worth discussing. So we'll take a quick break. We'll come back, talk about that, talk about anything else that's on, that's on Ben's mind, because I, I got the idea of looking at this guy right now on Zoom that this guy's got some ideas. 
And I think we need to get those ideas out into the world. So let's take a quick break. Let's pay for uh, some bills. Let's listen to uh, some product services, in-house ads, et cetera. And we'll be right back here on the Go Balls 24-7 podcast. Hashtag ad. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Welcome back to the GoBoss 24-7 podcast brought to you by whatever product, services, and in-house ads you just heard a second ago during that commercial break. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio. Ben McKee coming to you from his house on the other side of town. We are talking Tennessee basketball in the NCAA tournament. The Vols are the number four seed in the East region, so they will play Louisiana on Thursday. Don't have a time yet. We'll get that to you as soon as we have one. Uh, and then there will be, uh, if Tennessee wins that game, it goes to... Well, you got something, Ben? 9.40 Eastern on CBS. 9.40 Eastern. Wow. Get a Put a pot of coffee on. That's almost a West Coast start time. So anyways, that's breaking news now. We have that time, 9.40 Eastern. So if Tennessee wins that game against 13th-seeded uh, Louisiana, the Ragin' K. Johns, then Tennessee will play the winner of the Duke, uh, Duke Oral Roberts game. And if Tennessee surprises a lot of people and wins that game. Tennessee goes to Madison Square Garden next, most likely to play top-seeded Purdue, although Purdue's got um, an interesting potential game there uh, in the 8-9 game, too, going to that. So, yeah, it's a it's a fun region. There's a lot to talk about in that region, a lot to talk about with Tennessee, what the Vols need to do, what they need to not do. And now we know that they will be asked to do that at 940 Eastern on Thursday. But before we do that, just a quick uh, reminder, quick request from our end. If you could take about a minute out of your day right now, go and rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. We really would appreciate it. If you're just listening on the website at GoVols247.com, nothing wrong with that. No wrong way to consume this podcast. We love you equally. We still love you. But what helps us the most is if you go on there, whether it's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeart, TuneIn, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Amazon, anywhere in the world, you can cast the fine pod. You can find this GoVol 24-7 podcast. We do it for free. We're happy to do it. It's a labor of love. No complaints. But since we're doing it for free, I don't think it's too much to ask to go in there, rate, review, subscribe, and tell your friends. Tell people you see around town. Tell people you see walking the dog, playing golf, doing whatever it is you're doing, going to church, going to temple, going where the, the mosque, going wherever you're going around town to do whatever it is you're doing. You see people wearing orange, you tell them about this podcast. And if you do that, then good karma will come your way. I guarantee it. 
I'm guaranteeing karma. We're entering a new risky ground here on the Go Balls 24-7 podcast. Anyways, if you're doing all that stuff already, thank you. We love you. And if not... I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. Ben, back to business. We know... We think we know what Tennessee is and is not right now, right? We know Tennessee is a different basketball team. We know that Tennessee probably has um, a narrower path to victory than it had before. Doesn't mean that Tennessee can't win. That's not what that means at all. It just means that without the special things that Zakai Ziegler does, you have to, there, there are certain things that maybe you could have done with or without before. You need them now. You just need them now because so many things actually did go right in that Mizzou game, but just a couple of things didn't. Josiah Jordan-James didn't have a good day. Tennessee loses that game. Uh, Tennessee, despite dominating the glass most of the day, gives up a crucial offensive rebound late. Mizzou makes a couple of those crazy shots that Mizzou and Auburn make sometimes, and there you go. There's your ball game. Come on, misses an open three. There's your ball game. It, I think – there is still a pathway to Tennessee being a good team in this tournament. I just think it's probably there are fewer options now. There are fewer, you know, negotiable things. It seems like there are a lot more things now that are non-negotiable. Am I am I off base there? Am I on the right track? I mean, honestly, what do you think? Because if I'm crazy, please say it. Yeah, the, the the problem with this Tennessee basketball team right now is is there's just so many so many fair talking points. Uh, I, I did speak my mind earlier about believing that this basketball team is better than people want to to give them credit for, but that that's more so speaking to just how down and out people are about this team rather than me thinking that this team is just great and <laughs> going to make a Final Four run. And I, I can tell you right now, I'm not going to pick Tennessee to uh, make the the Final Four and. I don't I don't even know how this weekend will play out. And and that symbolizes the current state of this basketball team because you just do not know what you're going to get game in and and game out from this team. And and it honestly, it makes our job really hard because yeah. you, you don't know what to say about them. Yeah. You, if if I, I can give you ifs, if Josiah Jordan James shows up and shoots well, Tennessee will win. If he doesn't, they will lose. If the front court doesn't score any points, they will lose. If the front court shows up and Olivier Kumwa plays well, Tobey Awaka plays well, Jonas Adu plays well, and, and they don't all have to lead the way. Olivier doesn't have to play like he did against Texas when he scored 27. He doesn't even have to score 15. If he can chip in 10 and 7, and, and Tobey has 7, 8, 9 rebounds and a couple of offensive boards for, for some putbacks, and, and Jonas is playing. If they just are, are good role players, because that, that's what they are, uh, and maybe Tobey and, and Jonas – develop into more than just a role player but right now that that's what they are on this team and, and I think Olivier is more of a role player than a go-to player uh if, if they can just stay within the, their roles and contribute because I know Santi's going to play well Sa Santi's played well it feels yeah. like in in every single game I mean it, with, with so many things they're asking him to do so many hard things they're asking him to do and he's still doing it right so like you just let him lead the way let Josiah chip in to, to help lead the way. And like, if, if, if the front court shows up, they'll win. If they don't, they're, they're, they're going to lose. If, if Tyreek key doesn't contribute at all, they're going to lose. If he plays like he did uh, against 
uh, Missouri on Friday. They're probably going to win. So I I don't know what to tell you, Wes, but because I don't know what to tell you, that is me telling you something because that's the number one issue with this team is is that they are so inconsistent and and it's hard to know what to expect from this team because, like, like for instance, if if you wanted to take the glass – half full approach and and i i should clarify and i meant to mention this earlier we will have a another basketball pod before the opener on on thursday night at 9 40 p.m eastern uh we we will have another podcast before then and wes and i will both have a better idea of what louisiana is i i just perfectly honest i I have (laughs) i know nothing i mean texas uh, texas texas beat the hell out of it by about 30 points that well, that's the first thing I know that they're the Raging Cajuns, and I, I know where they're located. I know what colors they are. I know they're Tennessee's opening uh, opponent in in the tournament, uh, but I have not been able to to do a deep dive uh, as we're recording this podcast right after the the bracket was announced. Um, but like, just generally speaking, I imagine it, it'll be hard for a team like Louisiana, uh, a non Power Six team to deal with Tennessee's physicality. I, I imagine that that would be, will be an issue for them. So I, I could see that leading to Tennessee covering the 11 and a half point spread. Uh, and, and then even Duke, like Duke is playing really well right now. If if you put a gun to my head, would probably beat Duke to beat Tennessee or pick Duke to beat Tennessee. But on the flip side of that, kind of the, the physicality that, that I was just speaking to, Duke has a very young inexperienced basketball team. Tennessee has an inexperienced basketball team. And I can see a situation to where Santiago Vescovi and Josiah Jordan James and uh, Tyreek Key. And, and, you know, at this point, Jemai Meshack has even played quite a bit of basketball. He's played two full seasons uh, of basketball. Like I could see the experience of Tennessee's guards overwhelming the, the youngsters of Duke. And I could also see that physicality that I just spoke about uh, kind of being imposing uh, against freshmen, uh, against high schoolers in a sense. And, and Tennessee doesn't have high schoolers. They, they have grown physical men yes. on its roster. And that might be a lot for a young Duke team to handle, although Duke has been playing really well. But I, I could also see Duke just – coming in and they're, they're five stars for a reason. They are Duke for a reason. Uh, they're, they're very talented. They're very skilled. And, and I can see that being an issue, especially for Tennessee's front court. When, when Tennessee's front court has struggled, it's typically been because of athletic long bigs. And that that's what Duke is going to have. And, and I could see that causing issues. So it's really hard to preview these games. And it's been like this for a while because you don't know what Tennessee team is going to show up. They could easily, I don't know about easily, but it, it is absolutely okay to think that, okay, they're going to win these games and go to the Sweet 16. It's also perfectly okay to think that they're going to lose to Louisiana on Thursday night, and we're going to be in the locker room at 1 a.m. trying to get quotes uh, from a crying Santiago Vescovi because his career just ended. Yeah, the one thing I can tell you about Louisiana and there's a lot more that we need to learn about them, is that Jordan Brown um, is much better than big men that you'll normally see at a school like this. He's a six foot eleven guy. He's not huge, but I mean he's six eleven, maybe two thirty, two twenty five from from California. He he averages basically like twenty and nine a game. He he is very much the focal point 
of what that team does. I mean, this guy, I'm pulling up his numbers to make sure I got him right. Yeah, this guy averages 19.4 points, 8.7 rebounds, 1.8 assists, 0.7 steals, 1.2 block shots per game. Can shoot about 25-30% from three. Uh, decent, not great free throw shooter. Shoots about 60, 60% from the field. He's a he's a big man that's better than a lot of the big men that you're going to see in, at schools like this. And then there's a bunch of guards and, and wings and role players around him. Uh, some of those guys can do some good things. A couple of them average double digits. But he is the guy who's going to do stuff for them. So basically, um, you're going to have to say, okay, uh, can Jonas Adu uh, or and and Urosh Plavsic and sometimes helping out with Olivia Kumwa on the small ball lineup? Can that group of guys give him problems? Uh, because if they can give him problems, then that will make things much difficult because that's taking the head of the snake off of of Louisiana. That's what a lot of that game comes down to for me anyway. Looking at it uh, because I do know that's the one thing about them to know up front, and that's the most thing. The thing that I think most casual observers of basketball at least in that region would tell you is that he is a good big man and is a good player but I think what it comes down to is Tennessee understanding what it is and what it isn't and when I looked at that SEC tournament you know that's always a cool thing because you get to you know the it's one of the few places where you still get kind of floor side you know seats that that are not like underneath a goal or up in the corner and I'm not complaining I'm saying when we have those rare opportunities we get to see things and when they put every team in the SEC into one building for a few days you get to see just about all of them play at least once and the thing that struck me about teams that are that are playing better than the collection of their parts and I would put Vanderbilt in that in that category right now that team knew what it was and what it wasn't. Mizzou, as a team, is a team that knows what it is and what it isn't. And then you get to teams like Tennessee, who are not playing great right now, who don't really have a clear identity. Uh, You look at Arkansas, uh, you know, Auburn, teams that maybe don't quite have a full grasp on what they should and should not be doing. Tennessee needs to get a pretty firm or pretty firm grasp in the next few days going into this thing with a plan about what is this team and what is it not what has to happen and what has to happen is it's got to keep playing the same level of defense it's playing that's just a that that's non-negotiable defense at a high level is the path for this team defense physicality toughness that's the path i think for this team right now ben you you have a counterpoint on the on the it's not a counterpoint i would say I, I agree with you what you're saying that they've got to play defense at a high level, but they haven't been playing defense at a high level. No, the level they're <laughs> capable of playing it, I guess is what I'm saying. But here here's my question. Are they capable of playing defense at a high level without Sakai Ziegler? They can rebound better as a team. Um, they can change what they're doing. They play a little bit more zone because they need to uh, to keep guys fresh and to mix up the looks. So they can't play at that same ridiculous level, but they can still be one of the nation's better defenses. I, I firmly believe that because you've still got guys out there who can can they don't stop the ball as well as they used to uh, with Sakai. Obviously, they don't pressure 94 feet the way that they used to, but they do have more length now. They have more size on the glass. It's just different. It's a different kind of defense, but they can still play it at a pretty high level, I think. Uh, have they done it consistently? No. But also, Mizzou is a team that usually scores a lot of points, and you know it, it didn't score a ton of points in that game, just just more than Tennessee did. Um, Tennessee 
despite playing the what final five six minutes of the first half with no James and with no Vescovy, you know the, the, those are the things. I think Santiago Vescovy did something in that Mizzou game that really 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 hurt Tennessee. He's doing so many good things, but when he got called for that that kind of reach that reach in foul that may or may not have been a foul, but he shouldn't have done it. It was pointless to do it. That put him one foul away from being benched the rest of the first half. And then he picked up that foul. So then Tennessee had to play five or six minutes without him. Santiago Vescovi right now, he's got to play 36 minutes plus in every single game. There is no alternative to that. And you're 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 not getting the best version of Vescovi by doing that, but you are getting the best version of Tennessee by doing that because he has to be out there. He has to be out there. He cannot get those dumb fouls because every team that plays Tennessee, I guarantee you right now, they're going to do two things. They're going to pressure the ball relentlessly because Tennessee doesn't have a pure point guard in the rotation. So they're going to try to force you to speed you up and make you get turnovers. And then defensively, they are going to, they're going to get a series of screens, a series of picks, a series of, of ball movements to get Vescovy isolated and get him fouls because they want him off the floor. They have to get him off the floor. That's what they're going to do. And he has got to be aware of that, and he's got to be careful. That doesn't mean he can't play defense. He's a very good defensive player, but he has to be careful, and he's got to pick his spots. These little reach-in fouls and that stuff, no. You let the Mayshacks go do that. You know, you let the Tyreek Keys go do that. You don't do that. He can't do that. That, to me, is a huge factor because I can very easily see this tournament coming down to a game Tennessee loses because Santiago Vescovi is in foul trouble and that can't happen if you know going into it that you can't do it then don't do that thing Um, and then it comes down to some other things that are harder to control like Josiah Jordan James has got to make shots and we'd like to say that's something you can control but you can't he doesn't do it consistently enough right now to know that's something you can count on, but it's got to happen. And if it doesn't happen, then Tyreek Key and or Olivia Cumwell have to go bonkers because you're playing a game of math. We have to get to a certain amount of points. We get to like, if you're Tennessee, you're thinking most games, not Mizzou, you're thinking we can get to 70 points. We got a really good chance to win the basketball game. But to do that, you got, you got to get scoring. And if it's not from James, it's got to be from somebody else. You're much higher on the defense right now than I am. I mean, they just gave up 79 to Missouri and over 50 points in in the second half. That's, it less, that's less than the first game. Okay, but if, if they scored 120 in the first game, it'd still be less. <laughs> or or if 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 they scored 84, it'd still be less. It's still bad and a, a lot they, of points. Mizzou especially made, that, Mizzou made tough shots too. Uh, they 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 made open shots in in the second game on on Sunday, um, and I, I know that's kind of been the the talking point amongst Tennessee fans at, at least in the weeks after that game in Knoxville. Oh, M- Missouri made tough shots and and this and that and like yeah, they did make tough shots, but in watching Missouri, that's just what they do. I, like I don't think it's a luck thing. I, I think that that that's that's something they do well. They knock down tough shots uh, and, and ridiculous shots over and over. Again, I mean the the one Demoy Hodge, and I know that that's a little bit different, but the one he made against Alabama, falling out of bounds at at the shot clock buzzer on Saturday was just stupid, ridiculous. And again, I know that's an, an outlier. There's that, no defense for it. There's no defense for some of those shots Mizzou makes. There's no defense in the world that's going to stop that. 
No, there, there's not. But at some point when you do it game in and game out, it's more of, okay, they're just, they're, they're, they actually do that well. It's not a luck thing. Sure. Uh, and I, 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 I want to be careful. I don't think it was luck. I think it was, I'm just saying, what else can you do differently to stop it? Well, on, on Friday, I, I didn't like that. I, I thought the the switches were leading to to open shots uh, for Missouri. I asked Justin Ganey in the locker room after the game if if he felt uh, the 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 switches at times were were help helping Missouri and and getting them open looks. He t- told me no, but then twenty minutes later, Rick Barnes said in his press conference that that there were instances in which the the switching did get them in trouble. So I I, I think Rick was keeping it real, and and Justin Ganey was trying to get some coach speak. Um, but Missouri was getting open shots. The, the defense, however you want to talk about it, it hasn't been the same the last two weeks. Uh, and, and it was even kind of trending in that direction a little bit before Zakai uh, got hurt as as well. And, and I hear you on the rebounding and, and the, those aspects of the defense, but I, I think the, the biggest flaw a defense can have is – an inability to to slow down a an opposing ball handler, not not be able to pressure ball handlers. If if your perimeter defense is not good, which it has not been the last couple of games for Tennessee, I, I think that just causes so many issues elsewhere behind the perimeter to to where all of a sudden Jonas Adu maybe can't protect the rim uh, as clean as he typically would because he has to to overcompensate or, or Tobe Awaka or Olivier Kamwa. I, I think it puts so much more pressure on on those backline guys that that it creates so many more issues than just simply not being able to stay in, in front of their man. And I do think a little bit of it has been bad luck uh, with Tyreek Key dealing with a bum ankle, Julian Phillips dealing with a hip flexor, Josiah dealing with his bum ankle. Like those guys are are limping around after games, uh, at least the last two weeks. While those three particular ones have been dealing with those injuries, they they've been limping around, not not within the game, but kind of after the game, getting on the bus to go back home from Auburn. When the adrenaline wears uh, off after practice, like it, it's clear that those injuries are bothering them. And then you watch these guys who are good defenders not be able to stay in front of guys on top of losing Zakai Ziegler. And I think that has created a ton of issues. So I, I think that they can get back to playing defense at a very high level. I, I think they're capable of doing that this weekend. And when you ask what do they need to do kind of this week to 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 make sure that they win this weekend, this week of preparation, they, they've got to figure out a, a new way of doing things to to compensate for the loss of Zakai. And, and you mentioned it earlier. I mean, this this week of allowing Josiah and Julian and Tyreek to get more healthy going into to the tournament, I think that's going to be really beneficial for the defense a, as well because you can see Josiah struggling to stay in front of which his you man. Ne- which you never see. No, because he is banged up, because he – he had a real deal bum ankle, and he's been dealing with the knee injury all season a- as well. So they, they've got to find a way to, to clean it up defensively. And, I mean, we've talked about it a million times. The other thing is late-game execution. I mean, the the lack of late-game execution for such a veteran team just baffles me. And I, I do realize that, you know, the last week or so, part of it is – and Rick Barnes said it perfectly in his post-game press conference – Late in games with late game execution, Zakai Ziegler is used to running the show, and and they've been Zakai's been running the show late in games all season long. So that has contributed against Missouri, against Auburn. But 
Late game execution was also an issue before Zakai went out. We mm-hmm. we had conversations after the Florida game, yep. after the Vanderbilt game, the Missouri game in Knoxville, the the Kentucky game. Uh, it really in both because obviously the the one in Knoxville was closer, but even the one in Lexington, Tennessee made a run there because of Santiago Vescovi in the second half. But late game execution has been an issue all season long, and I, I do think at this point you just kind of are what you are. But if if they can figure something out, I, I just don't know how you fix that because it's it's a different issue every single time it seems. And again, I think at this point you just kind of are what you are. Yeah, I think. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, if I can clear my throat for one second. Whew, sorry about that. I, I think that I don't want to sound defeatist about this because I'm the one saying that I think Tennessee still actually does have a chance. But I think there's a much better likelihood that Tennessee just executes better in the first 37 minutes and gets up by about, you know, eight, nine, 10 points than Tennessee suddenly figuring out how to close some of these games. Because I think that's a trait that teams just usually have or don't have. And these guys don't close, right? You know, coffee's for closers. These aren't coffee drinkers. These these aren't closers. These guys have not been good at closing games. Sometimes you just have to look at it and say, it is what it is, right? Uh, some guys like Mariano Rivera want the ball in that situation, and some guys, not so much. Uh, Tennessee just does not, has not been good in those moments. So I think there's a better chance that Tennessee just does what it did in a lot of those other games when they won these games against good teams. They were up by enough points, really going into the first, the final three minutes or so, that it didn't really matter that much. That, that There's a better chance in my mind of that happening than this team suddenly being clutch when it matters. Because now, on top of the fact that you're not, you weren't a great closing team before, now you're taking your primary ball handler away, which is sort of like taking out the bottom ring in a pyramid. Like, it's going to affect everything else. Now, and both coaches that played to Tennessee in the tournament both Wincase at at, um, at Ole Miss and um, you know Gates at Mizzou both said point blank, yeah. When Vescovy has to handle the ball late in games and they don't have Ziegler hand you know handling the ball, it's different because then you you normally have you know Vescovy can move off of screens. You can you can do things to get him the ball, but if he's already got it then, you know, that takes away a lot of your movement. That takes away a lot. Of, it makes you more predictable because you know, hey, they might just say um, Vescovy try to ISO, separate, and make a play, which as good as he is, he can do that, but that's not his game. So you're having to change what everybody else is because you don't have the primary ball handler in there late in games. So I think that takes an already problematic situation and makes it even more problematic. So what do you have to do now? I think the answer is pretty clear. You better play really damn well the first 36, 37 minutes because when you get to those minutes late in games like that, who would feel good about this team's chances? I wouldn't. I don't know who would. Yeah. No, you're spot on. I mean, you got to find a find a way to execute late. I mean, that, that's how you win tournaments or tournament games in March uh, is by executing late. And the, the key ingredients, in my opinion, that – goes into to executing late uh, ball handling and ball handling slash turnovers. I, I think that those two things kind of, kind of coincide, um, making down, making your free throws, not missing bunnies. Uh, and and you, you do have to have somewhat of a clutch gene and, and knocking down open shots when you get them late. And, and some of that is luck, right? 
I mean, you, you, you were talking earlier about Josiah Jordan James making shots. It, it is possible for good shooters to have bad shooting nights. Absolutely. It's the way their form feels fine and their release looks good and the ball just simply does not go through the rim. I mean, we've seen Steph Curry have awful shooting nights just because the ball wasn't going in. So part of it is luck. But the, those other things you you can control. You you can control turning the basketball over. Yeah, live you ball turnovers. Control, live ball turnovers, especially. You can control making free throws. You can control not having defensive breakdowns that leave guys wide open in the corner for three, like they did at Vanderbilt when you just talked about it in the timeout. You can control all of those things. Uh, so hopefully, for Tennessee's sake, that they can find a way to start doing it out of out of nowhere uh it it's something i mean has has there been a game a close game i mean i guess maryland Ole miss to to start sec play there's been a couple of close basketball games sprinkled in in which tennessee has won but there haven't been many typically when tennessee wins it 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 certainly wins uh blows out its opponent and i think part of that was because of how good they were at home um, but for the most part, they have not executed at the end of games well at all this season. And if if they're going to win in March, if, if they're going to make a run in this NCAA tournament, then they're going to have to start doing it pretty much out of nowhere um, because they, they have not done it well in close games at the end of games um, for the most part all season long outside of a, a couple of outliers and uh, at, at this time of the year, every team that you play is going to be a good basketball team, un- unless you're a one seed playing a 16 seed, maybe a two seed playing a, a 15 seed here or there. But once you start getting into the to the 14 seeds or lower, everybody is a worthy opponent. Louisiana will be a worthy opponent. Oh, yeah. Uh, Duke will certainly be mm-hmm. a worthy opponent. And if you want to win, you have to execute late in games. You can't have sloppy turnovers, especially for such a, a veteran team. You have to make your free throws. And you 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 do you can't have any defensive breakdowns. That that happened at Auburn. I mentioned it uh about the game winner at Vanderbilt earlier. You can't have defensive busts that that leave somebody running wide open down the middle of the lane lane for a wide open layup. Uh, and then the last thing, Wes, like there again, I'll say it again. There, there's a there's a luck factor involved. You you do need some things to break your way. Yeah, I think turnovers are things that are going to happen, but but not all turnovers are created equal. Like a shot clock violation is frustrating, but it's also a dead ball turnover, and you're not giving up a run out on the other end. And I think something that that I did not think about initially when Ziegler went out because there are so many things that you think about, but there's obviously going to be things you miss, right? I mean, that's just the way it goes for everybody is you 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 can't analyze everything exactly how it's going to go all the time even if you can think about most of it and even if you end up being right about that there are going to be things that that you don't think about at first and Tennessee's transition defense to me without Ziegler has been completely different in a really bad way and i didn't think about that until um honestly until Barnes noticed it and then once he said it i went oh yeah that's right. That has been an issue because those live ball turnovers now, um, Vescovy is not like f- fleet of foot, really. I mean, he he's smooth, um, really, really smooth, but he's not like he wouldn't run the same 40 that Zakai Ziegler would. And when they commit these live ball turnovers, 
Other teams are getting down the floor and they are converting easily at the rim. Even Ole Miss, 19 to 2 in transition scoring. So Tennessee outscored Ole Miss by about 30 plus points in non-transition points. Tennessee got outscored by 17 in transition scoring because Tennessee kept committing live ball turnovers right there in backcourt and they weren't fast enough, they weren't organized enough to get back and get set. And and that you think about how many times over the past couple of years where they've had a, a moment where they committed a turnover and it looked like it was going to be a big run out the other way, but you had Ziegler or or Kennedy Chandler closing like a freight train and getting in there and at least making the other team back out and go through a half-court possession. It's happened a lot. And it didn't happen much at all, in fact. I mean, there were a couple times where Tyreek Key got back and at least fouled the guy, prevented an open two. But that's a problem that Tennessee never really had to think about before because they just always knew Ziegler was going to track back. And there's little things like that that when they talk about getting adjusted to playing without Ziegler, that's part of it is transition defense. And so how do you make your transition defense better? What's the easiest thing you can do? Don't turn over the damn ball. That's the first thing you can do. Stop committing stupid turnovers. Pay attention when the pass is coming your way. Catch the pass. Stop picking up your dribble when two guys are coming at you. Stop doing dumb things. Don't leave your feet when you don't know what you're going to do with the ball. Those are little things that if Tennessee doesn't control those little things, then this thing is quickly going to get away from them. But if Tennessee keeps a pretty firm grasp on those small things, and I'm talking like catch the ball. I'm talking like pay attention on the offensive set. I'm talking about plant your feet on a, on a screen so you're not moving. I'm talking about little things like that, that if they do those things, Ben, I still think there's a good basketball team in there. We've seen it, but... Is it good enough to go make a big run in this tournament? I don't know, but I know that if they don't do those little things, there's no chance. No, there's not. Uh, I, I do agree with you. There's, and I've said it. I know my my last couple of minutes of talking have, have been glass half empty, but uh, I, I did speak from a glass half full approach to start the podcast. Like At the end of the day, this is still a good basketball team. It is flawed, but every college basketball team it is flawed. Maybe, maybe not Alabama if it if it's playing the way that it played this Phys- weekend. Physicality gives Bama problems sometimes, though it does. It, it does, and 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 technically they do have flaws off the court, but mm-hmm. that's a different conversation mm-hmm. for uh, a, a different day. Um, but th- this is still a good basketball team. I genuinely believe that Tennessee is a good basketball team. Uh, does that mean that? They're going to to win on Thursday. Does that mean that they're going to to be going to the Sweet Sixteen? Then I, I no, it doesn't. <laughs> it, it just simply doesn't. But the things that we've been discussing about this team and their flaws is is the difference between them being good and and being great. So they are absolutely capable of beating Louisiana on, on Thursday and, and winning their second round matchup and and going going to Madison Square Garden next weekend. Uh, the following weekend for the Sweet 16 and and maybe the Elite Eight. I, I would be surprised if they made it to the Final Four. I, I would not be surprised if if they made it uh, to the Sweet 16 and Elite Eight, probably somewhere in the middle. Uh, fairly surprised, but also fairly not surprised. I, I don't think it would be the craziest thing to see this this Tennessee team go uh, to the Elite Eight. But uh, to be 
quite honest, I, I probably won't pick them going that far just because they they are an inconsistent basketball team. And you you just can't you can't trust them. You don't know what what you're going to get from them night in and, and night out. So I, I don't know how anybody could pick them to, to make a deep, deep run. But a sweet 16, that's certainly capable. And I remember going into the Alabama game coming off of those backbreaking losses to uh, Vanderbilt and Missouri, the, the buzzer beating losses. We, we kind of joked like this Tennessee team's down and out, back to back buzzer beating game winning shots by the other team. There's no way they beat Alabama. But we joked because of how silly and unpredictable sports are that they would turn around and beat Alabama just because it doesn't make sense. And I've, I've kind of had that thought in the back of my head as well the last week or so that it doesn't really make sense for Tennessee to make a deep run in the NCAA tournament because of how inconsistent they are, because they don't have Zakai Ziegler. But because of all that, they will make a deep run in the tournament. This will be the year that they make a deep run because it doesn't make sense. Well, you know, um, people have now four days or, or so approximately, yeah, what, uh, let's see, 96 hours or so to to go class half full or glass half empty or whatever they, whatever they want to do. But I'll end on this thought. Imagine a world where Tennessee goes, you know, wins the first game, overcomes Duke, gets to the Sweet 16, and Memphis just shocks Purdue, just shocks Purdue in that second round, and uh, it did did beat Houston there. So so don't don't scoff at that. Um, then you would get a balled up fist Sweet Sixteen matchup. Think about that. Balled up fists in the Sweet Sixteen, and a Volunteer State showdown. Who knows? That would that would be fascinating, um, but well, I'll I'll be curious to see if Memphis makes it past FAU. That yeah, that matchup sure. is it's probably a, the one I'm most. If I'm I, that's the one I'm most intrigued about. Uh, just kind of glancing at the bracket as as it was being announced. That that FAU Memphis matchup is going to be a great one. Memphis playing great basketball right now. FAU is uh, this year's UTC. This year's ETSU. Kind of looking at, at the past two years that that team coming out of the the non power six in basketball. FAU is that team this year, and th- that that'll be a fascinating matchup. I agree. I just really wanted to make a balled up fist joke with Penny. That's oh, it, it would to. be glorious. That's Memphis and Tennessee. What you said, the Sweet Sixteen right. is when that would happen. Yeah, because they. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, they've got. Yeah, that that's when it would be. It'd be the Sweet Sixteen if it happened. In Tennessee, Memphis, Rick Barnes versus Penny Hardaway in the Garden after, in the mecca of basketball. After all the drama that has gone on th- between the two programs and neither side really wanting to play the other mm-hmm. for, for their, their own reasons to, to play in the sweet 16 in Madison square garden in New York city. That, that would be pretty phenomenal. Hell yeah. Think about that for a couple of days, but seriously, we will have at least one more basketball podcast before uh, the tournament. We'll also have a baseball podcast uh, coming up here in the next day or so that Ben will host and I will be on there with him. So uh, stick with us. It's going to be a busy week. It's a busy time of year, but there is no other way that we would want it. I don't think I really don't. Thanks for being here, Ben. Appreciate it, man. Thanks Wes. There's that button. And now I can say thank you for listening to this edition of the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. We always say that, but we always mean it. Thank you. 
thank you. Thank you for listening. You can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker, 24-7 on Twitter. Ben McKee is Ben McKee, 14 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan, 24-7 on Twitter. And Patrick Brown is P. Brown, 24-7 on Twitter. And if you just want Tennessee news on Twitter, nothing else, you can get that at twitter.com slash govals247. You can also go to facebook.com slash govals247, where we update that throughout the day, all day, every day, mostly with Tennessee news, uh, but also with news that we think falls fans will find interesting Uh, but if you want that best most delicious east tennessee smoky mountain spring water directly from the source go get that at govals247.com the best site on all of al gore's internets for coverage of tennessee football football recruiting basketball basketball recruiting tennessee baseball nobody and i mean nobody covers tennessee baseball the way that we do also no one covers the lady vols that we do the award-winning maria cornelius does an excellent job covering all things lady vols for us all season long you can get all of that at GoVols247.com. You've also got access there to two forums that run around the clock. Got the checkerboard and the summit where you can go 24 hours a day, seven days a week and discuss anything you want that is not political or religious in nature with us, with thousands of Tennessee fans across the world and with us who are on the staff. Uh, and, and no one has a more uh, active board with the, the staff members than us. We are proud to be there all the time answering any question that you've got. And you get all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That is all that it costs. And that's after a quick free trial. And once you pay us that reasonable rate, which is, again, less than one mediocre lunch per month, you get access in perpetuity to Paramount Plus, uh, which is an excellent growing behemoth of a streaming arm there with us here at CBS, Paramount, Viacom, etc. You get every show CBS has ever made commercial free. You get new movies. You get classic movies that rotate in every single month. Uh, You also get just tons of original content, tons of great original Paramount Plus content. And you also uh, get access to the vaults of uh, Nickelodeon, uh, Smithsonian, uh, MTV, BET, Comedy Central, something for the entire family. All of that, all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That That is so much stuff. So much stuff. That's a bunch of stuff. Less than one lunch a month. That's all that it costs. So go to GoVols247.com and do that. Take advantage of that. Tell your friends to go do that. Again, thank you for listening. You can always go subscribe to us on every content uh, item, everywhere you can get a podcast. You can get this podcast. So please go do that. Thank you for listening again. And uh, be kind to each other, guys. Just try to be kind to each other. There's just not nearly enough people in this world being kind to each other and having basic human empathy and dignity. Let's be better to each other. Let's be good. See you guys. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with h track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? 
Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 